All right, so welcome to episode two of the What's on the Line podcast. My name is David Sikorsky, and I'm here today at Angler's Sports Center. So I think uh, if you fish or hunt in Maryland, you've probably been here. If you've crossed the Bay Bridge going from west to east or east to west, you've probably stopped in this store and uh, picked up a last-minute item or just about everything you need uh, for an adventure outdoors. So uh, we've got a group of folks here today to talk about snakeheads. Um, we all know uh, this this crazy fish kind of came on the scene some years ago, and you can't go anywhere without seeing or running into people talking about them, catching them, uh, lining them up on the streets, and uh, filling their coolers full of full of snakeheads. <laughs> so we go around the room. We've got a great group of folks here. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourselves. Uh, this is Mike at Angler's Sports Center. Hi, my name is Josh Newhart. I'm fish biologist with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And I'm Joe Love. I'm a fish biologist with Department of Natural Resources. All right. So, Mike, Mike at Anglers. Um, so, the Anglers story. Tell us a little bit about you know the, the family connection here, the long long standing history of this uh, business, and your role, and, and then we can uh, kind of go into some of your ideas on snakeheads and what the, what's going on right now from a from a business perspective and from a fun and fishing perspective. Yeah. Well, I mean, just the real quick on Anglers is just we're a family run business. Uh, my grandfather bought in the business sixty three years ago when it was a gas station. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, uh, fishing store, and uh, now it's kind of just evolved to what it is today. My dad's been here for 40-something years. I've been here for over 15 years, and um, my family originally um, is from Baltimore, so my grandfather grew up fishing his entire life off of places, you know, like Tolly's Point and this and that and rowboats, so it was really just his passion for fishing and hunting in the area um, that kind of kind of evolved into having a fishing store, and then and then just as the business has grown as kind of the fisheries and um, and, the, and the hunting's grown. Fantastic. So, you know, I saw your um, your focus on snakeheads, and you've done a tremendous job of, of growing the angler's presence on social media with videos and fishing reports and information and seminars. And so it's not just snakeheads, but more recently I've definitely seen a focus on snakeheads. I think last week you put up a uh, kind of a tips and tactics and tackle mm-hmm. Um, are you seeing a major shift of your business and kind of what percentages or what, what shifts are happening right now with folks coming in and asking about them versus some of our other fisheries? Yeah, so I think like the first time we really started seeing snakehead was eight years ago in the store. And at that time, you know, people couldn't even identify them. Um, now we get to where we are today where, you know, like this past spring, it's probably three quarters of the anglers coming through are going to snakehead fish, whether that's buying, you know, minnows, topwater lures, this and that. I probably shifted to, I, I would have to say, I've carried you know, two to 400 SKUs now that are just fully snakehead, whereas we're usually a, mm. uh, a saltwater store, so carrying all mm. kinds of freshwater lures and things. But, uh, but mostly it's just a really cool fishery. I mean, I don't think anything in my lifetime has ever happened like this in Maryland. I've lived here my whole life, fished here my whole life. Um, so just kind of the way this has blown up, where in a, probably two years ago, you know, I maybe that was like 2%, per, 2% of what... It really is now. So, um, so now just the fact that they're accessible, I think that's one of the biggest things for mm-hmm. people is just the accessibility of it. You know, for striped bass, you know, a lot of times shore fishing is is tough a tough go at it. You have to know what you're doing, this and that. Um, where snakehead fishing is kind of like you know anybody can go out, anybody can catch a huge fish, anybody can catch dinner. So, mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's very appealing uh, to most people. Um, so anyway. Um, we are putting on a tournament right now, which is going to start in uh, on Memorial Day, actually, and it's going to run through Labor Day. So this is just an all-summer-long tournament, and it is just for the largest snakehead we can find. So it's called our Monster Snakehead Hunt Tournament. And um, 
that was really just built around the fact that people started catching these huge snakeheads, and a lot of them were either close to state records or were state records, and we all started talking about it, and we were like, man, we've never seen a snakehead mountain. We've seen every other fish mounted, um, so we've, we've never seen a northern snakehead, so the idea is that hopefully we can either get the state record or something close mounted on our wall, um, and then whatever angler wins the tournament, he'll have a plaque under it, um, you know, permanently here at the store, um, as well as cash prizes and stuff like that, but that was really kind of the, the basis of it, is to to kind of see if we can catch a state record, maybe a world record, um, and put it on the wall. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that whole um, you know access piece, but also the food component. I mean, there's a lot of fisheries. You know, take striped bass. Striped bass is in decline coastwide, and of course, there's a lot of complexity in, in managing that fishery, given how broad it is and how important it is. Um, but with snakehead, it's almost like a blessing in disguise, even though they are they mm-hmm. can cause some challenges that we'll talk about. Um, but from the fish, strictly the fishing perspective, the fishing business, it's great to have a something kind of fill the gap and, and everybody of all backgrounds and kind of economic levels and, and be able to access them yeah. in the shoreline fishing and alone. Luckily, there are no creel limits, no size okay. limits, no right. hook yeah. restrictions. There, You can just get out there and fish for them whenever you want, whatever season. It's not confusing. It's like the I old days. wonderful. <laughs> it is. Just go fishing. Just go fishing. <laughs> yeah. um, and all of that's part of the objectives, right, of trying to reduce the biomass of the species. So we've, you know, we, with that objective behind us, we're able to kind of not um, impose these restrictions to try and protect the species. We want to try and get rid of it. No. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, another thing to touch on, too, if anybody who has kids knows this, your kid, what do they want to catch? They want to catch a shark or they want to catch sailfish. And every yeah. fish is a shark or a sailfish <laughs> or, or whatever, whatever it may be. That's just the way it works. And so snakeheads have become this thing. And I think everybody has that thing where, you know, we want to we want to drive youth to be outdoors to, and, you know, enjoy fisheries yep. the way Our we future. enjoyed them and yeah. stuff. And so I think I see that excitement too a lot. And that's kind of what excites me as well about it is, is you see these kids coming in and they are so excited to go catch a snakehead or to try and catch a snakehead. And it's because it's this toothy, yeah. crazy-looking creature Um but that's, you know, and then that's what's driving the parents to go out, too. So it's I feel like it's also, you know, it's a it's a it's a really, really cool thing to be able to do something like, you know, again, uh, to a five year old. This is a deep sea fish or, you yeah. know, whatever. So right. looks, but but yeah. really, you're standing on a shoreline in in six inches of water and catching on a minnow. So there's a lot yeah. of mystique mm-hmm. there. Why? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of buildup. There were some horror movies made about the snakehead. <laughs> right? And so we've got, you know, a lot of popular press coming out of Baltimore Sun mm-hmm. and such back when it was found. So. You know, that, that kind of hype, I think, has really helped create mm-hmm. this momentum behind the fishery to get people to go out there mm-hmm. um, and go after them. It is a new fishery, though, so mm-hmm. there are a lot of new things that people need to learn. That's why I'm glad you guys are working on ways of kind of informing anglers on where to go fishing for them and how to go fishing for them because, you know, nothing is better than actually catching a fish when you're out there. Mm-hmm. And that's what, when I talk to people, that's what they want to do. When they want to go snakehead fishing, they're like, how do I do it? I really want to get one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want them to fail at that. Mm-hmm. And because it's a new fishery, it's really good to have information out there from your end. And, and it's also, that. it's great that it's unique in the sense that you can go out, catch a fish. Like you said, there's no creole season limit you can keep it and you can actually feel good about doing something for the environment right you get right. dinner you f- you're getting snakehead out of the ecosystem which in the end should be a good thing so it's pretty unique in that sense you know you're not questioning should i keep this fish should i throw it back you just keep it eat it and yeah and, and it, it's ecologically beneficial because you, you know you're pulling out this top predator um 
that shouldn't be there. And, you know, we, we, we talk about it being in Maryland um, and Delaware and in Virginia, and now it's moving into Pennsylvania, so it's kind of growing within the watershed. And now that it's introduced in Arkansas and getting into the Mississippi River, it's becoming more, you know, um, you know, nationally valuable to have these conversations. And really what we're trying to do is, you know, prevent the spread of the species across North America um, by encouraging people not to transport them alive and then to try and harvest them when they do catch them rather than just tossing them back, um, which creates a bigger problem for the environment. So, mm -hmm. Joe, your role, your title bass manager is your title? Yes. Okay. And so when did snakeheads become part of your profile? When did it change your job? And give us a little bit of kind of the history there. And Actually, yeah, that, that, hap that began happening in 2010. You know, people go, f you talk a lot about striped bass. Kudos to you guys. But, yeah. but largemouth bass is where it's at nationwide. It is the talk about it because it's pretty fish. simple. Just go fishing. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's right. Um, it's a less complicated fishery in some cases. But we had, um, you know, bass anglers who were calling me concerned about seeing snakeheads in the Potomac River. Bass anglers were among the first uh, catching them on hook and line. You know, watermen caught them in nets early on, but the anglers catching snakeheads on the Potomac River were bass anglers. And they were concerned that they were seeing another species hit their tackle, um, and it wasn't a bass. And that's a problem for tournament anglers who are actually fishing for money, and it's a problem for people who are more conservation-minded and don't want to see this nation's, you know, fauna, this fish fauna, these fisheries change in any way. So they began calling me and saying, well, what's going on with snakeheads? What, what are you doing about snakeheads? Um, I had one guy who's the conservation director for Maryland Bass Nation call me and said, look, I just caught a snakehead in Delaware. I caught it on Marshy Hope Creek. He called me, actually, while I was over at Josh. He's like, what am I going to do? What are you guys going to do about it? Did you harvest the fish? I mean, there's we can we were at that point where we were trying to figure out what are we going to do about this mm -hmm. species you know we know it's here people are starting to catch it we didn't know how many people were going to catch uh we didn't know how big of a population this was going to be this was at a time when i was telling my former boss they're just in the potomac they're not going to spread mm -hmm. out to the whole watershed i've got hope and he's like oh no they're going <laughs> to be from potomac river all the way up to the susquehanna you just give it time i'm like nah nah and then, look, 15 years later, we're at where we're at. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I think it's really because of the bass anglers why I started paying attention to, mm -hmm. to snakeheads in general. So largemouth bass, black bass, um, are non-native to tidal waters in Maryland, correct? Is that correct? That is probably correct. Okay. Um, they, uh, they are native to the Ohio River Basin and the Yakahaney. So it's possible that they would have come in through that way um, historically. We do have other species native to the Mississippi River drainage, like longnose gar, mm -hmm. and longnose gar are here in the in Maryland, and no one introduced them. So it's possible bass got here on their own. But we do know that uh, bass were introduced also in the Potomac and on the Eastern Shore uh, shortly after the Civil War. Mm -hmm. um, really as a means of feeding people um, because at that time bass was considered a food fish and after the Civil War, you know, bloodiest war in American history, mm -hmm. we, uh, we needed to do something because we didn't have Whole Foods and grocery store chains. <laughs> so that's what the federal government did uh, across the country 
And uh, yeah, you're right. They're they're most likely um, probably non-native. Most likely non-native to a lot of areas in Maryland. I can right. say that. Um, and uh, but they have been here for like 150. So we have the federal years. government to thank for the largemouth bass mm-hmm. fishery. Uh, that was like yes. the, the whole predecessor of the Fish and Wildlife Service. That's a pretty that's deep right. dive. Are we going to talk about <laughs> no, how, yeah, yeah, right. how sea deer are native <laughs> to the eastern shore? Like, <laughs> yeah. do you want me to go into that? That <laughs> whole spiel. There's a long history. <laughs> well, we used to just, long we used to just wild move turkeys fish on the large. eastern shore move <laughs> yeah. from the west. <laughs> right. Well, right. and that's the thing. I mean, there's a ton of history, and you know, I see all the time people debating. Um, snakeheads as a valuable game fish and valuable yeah. food fish versus something that's obviously this new piece of the ecosystem that doesn't belong. And then what do we do about it? But And you sp- spoke about it with your boss. You know, the, hey, they're going to stay here. No, they might spread out. But in reality, what are the tools we have available to us? Um, it's something we can benefit from from the mm-hmm. tackle and in the retail side of things and the angling community to go out and fish for them yep. and do our part to catch them. But do you see from your work, uh, you know, Josh and, and um, Joe, the expansion at a is it slowing? Is it growing? Are they reached kind of equilibrium levels in some systems? And talk about like the regionality and the, the status of the of the fish. Well, it's definitely not slowed down their spread if you look at it from the Chesapeake Bay scale. So, Joe and I we actually did some work um, to look at that just based on, and that's totally just based on angler reports, uh, agencies catching them, and yeah, they're they're they've been spreading at an exponential rate, and they haven't slowed down yet. So. Clearly, they're eventually going to run out of, of watershed, but we looked at the entire Chesapeake Bay watershed as a whole, so they're still spreading now. You know, you probably heard that in Potomac, it seems like things are leveling off, maybe reaching equilibrium, if you will. I don't know if that's the case, but we have seen catch rates level off. They're still fluctuating, though. You know, 15 years is, is just not that long of a time. Uh, evolutionary speaking, that's roughly one, a little over one generation time for snakehead. You know, we don't even know exactly how long they live still so we know that it's at least 10 years probably a little bit older so that's not that long they've continued to spread and they continue to show up in new waterways and any increase in abundance in those waterways so you know we're, we're working to see what those impacts might be to native fish um you know it, like you said it's kind of there's maybe the argument around non-native or invasive ultimately i don't think that really matters um you can compare it to bass or blue catfish, but those fish were in the Mississippi Basin. Northern snakehead comes from Southeast Asia. There was no way that that fish was getting here without human intervention. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and we, you know, we do care about you know the, the integrity of this country's um, you know fish diversity here, and you know then I'm you know I don't want to jump back into the the turkey and the the bass story here go for it um but you know it is kind of a point that just keeps coming up and look well we didn't know any better ultimately yeah, 100 years ago we didn't know any better continue to make mistakes right. i mean you know 150 years ago maybe the federal government did do everyone a great benefit by introducing largemouth bass across the country um you know we could if we could go back in time, maybe we could debate that. I mean, we did a lot of things 150 years ago that we don't do now. <laughs> yep. Um, you know, we've learned a lot since then, and and quite frankly, um, quite frankly, there was no, there was no government assessment. There was no um, community decision to introduce snakeheads into our waters. It was done by a handful of people who didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. I suspect. Um, there was no risk assessment associated with its introduction. Um, and, you know, as a result of that, 
we are having to spend more of your money, taxpayer money, mm -hmm. on studying this animal, understanding what its risks are, and then trying to encourage harvest. And then people start talking about creel limits and size mm -hmm. limits because they've talked to me about that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Do you know how much more expensive it would be right. for right. us now to all of a sudden right. start imposing some restrictions on protecting this animal, which, by the way, most people in this country regard as invasive. So, you know, I... Well, and you're not I have a, a snakehead fishery manager. No state has a snakehead fishery yeah, manager. My title's not snakehead biologist, yeah. so this yeah. is all added work that gets thrown on wherever they show up. Yeah. And it happens at every state. So now Pennsylvania's concerned because they're not, well, they're in Pennsylvania, but they're knocking on the door of the greater Susquehanna. They're going so, up the fish lifts. We just had right. 21 up the fish lift this past weekend. So, okay. On the Susquehanna? Yeah. On the Susquehanna, They were yeah. caught and killed, luckily, because so, they're yeah. working on it for shad. Right. Okay. But it's coming into the Conowingo Reservoir. I mean, they just move it, move it up. So, you know, from you know? the federal perspective, it's still listed as injurious wildlife. It's been that way since 2002, so we would continue yeah. removal. Um, the, initially, there was a snakehead management plan formulated. It was determined by Congress once it got listed, let's do a snakehead management plan, a uh, national management plan. That sat for a few years, never got actually uh, officially listed, and then just... Uh, five years ago now that it finally got formally adopted so now unfortunately it's kind of like the hype train of snakehead fell off right so we missed that first go-round now that management plan exists but there's not actually funding tied to it but we do have a, a path forward to manage the species but as you mentioned yeah, there's continuing the spread eradication might be the ultimate goal however unlikely that might be so now we're stuck with management of snakehead so the greater greater good thing is that you know anglers can go out and catch them they can help manage the species while having fun and having a good time so right it's it is unique in that i mean we can access the fishery with electric fishing and not but ultimately fishermen are just on the water a lot more than we are so mm -hmm. yeah. i think fishermen are interested in it from you know this scientific you know it's a constant conversation in our store you know how are they it, literally people's people's um, perception of what these fish are and what they should do with them has changed. And, 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 yeah. and in speaking with people, too, who fish a lot, a lot, and I feel like, um, you know, whether it's right or wrong, you know, it started out as a panic, you know, pure yeah, panic. That's and, true. And, um, and, and then it kind of, people started fishing them and this and that. And, and, and most of it just based on the fact that if they fish somewhere and they caught another fish and a snakehead, then they said, well, these fish can live together. Yeah. And so I've actually seen it, even though the population is is peaking higher than ever. I mean, I've, I've fished recently, and and there are there are thousands and thousands and thousands of snakeheads out there. Um, but it's almost like uh, like anglers have kind of kind of changed their tone and are, are almost like, okay, maybe we don't hate this fish as much as we did, or right. maybe it can coexist. I mean, and I'm glad that there's not that panic anymore. I mean, yeah. you know, the good thing about the panic, the only the one good thing about the panic is it drew people's attention, mm -hmm. right? And it's hard to capture people's mm -hmm. attention when they got all this other stuff going on in their mm -hmm. life. The panic settled down. But then, unfortunately, you know, people started learning about snakehead and then reporting on what they, they learned, and, and folks took that as gospel. Folks took that mm -hmm. as, oh, this is what's going on. So now snakeheads are just, you know, there were people saying, okay, well, they're just eating banded killifish. Oh, mm -hmm. banded killifish is just a small little fish. Or, you know, they don't really grow that fast, right, when, mm -hmm. when they're first born, you know. Or, you know, there's, there's really just one major spawning mm -hmm. season that's going on with a little bit of spawning in the fall. 
The problem with those absolutes, stating those absolutes early in our biological understanding of this animal from a handful of streams within the Potomac River, the problem with that is that it's not broad knowledge of the species. Now, this animal evolved in Asia, and it's hard to get the literature out of, out of China mm -hmm. and, and Vietnam to, to, to really understand what's going on with this species and its environment across its native range. So much of what we did, we learned from the Potomac River and tried to apply it to a species that could coexist with species across the whole Chesapeake Bay water, the nation's largest mm -hmm. estuary. So many different mm -hmm. habitats here. We're like, ah, oh, it's not that big of a problem. They're just eating banded mm -hmm. killifish and they're just growing very slow. We've learned since then it's not true. Mm -hmm. We've learned that they're eating a lot more different fish. We've learned that their growth rates are fast. We've learned that they're reproducing through November, people have seen nests. Right. Through November. Well, and that's why we take the precautionary approach, because, yeah, it might maybe it seems like they're okay in the Potomac, and that may not be the case in 10 years, but it might not be the case simply when they cross the bay into Blackwater River mm -hmm. drainage, where people are... Right really hammering it, you know. Right. There's not too many fisheries out there where, you know, I can hear people just from the bank in one spot catching 100 mm -hmm. to 200 fish a day. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. And going back to so. the panic thing, though, the panic is starting to uh, kind of coming back around to that, so it's right. kind of people were like, okay, we like this to an extent and blah, 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 and Blackwater, I think we all know, is kind of like, it's like if there was ever a place that was built for snakeheads, right. it's Blackwater. Right. It's shallow, muddy, mucky. They love it. Um, so I think that, you know, everybody kind of came to terms with, okay, these fish are here, this and that. But if yeah. you know fishermen and you know people around the bay, no one really cares about Blackwater. So previous to Snakehead, there really wasn't a fishery in Blackwater. That's you don't true. go to Blackwater to fish. So now that we've seen Snakehead pop up at places like Mattapique State Park off of Pedigree Point, the Severn, the Magathy, the panic is starting to set back in because now the things that we hold dear as fishermen, which if you live on the Upper Bay and you've lived here a long time, white perch is like your 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 heaven. Like yeah. you know, they eat well, they're everywhere, and we yep. and so now it's kind of the conversations become okay. Maybe they're not going to eat the white perch, but where the white perch spawn. Yeah. What's going to happen well, now? But I'm saying, oh, no, even, we, I'm saying even if you don't, even if, even if you want to make that argument, yeah, even yeah. if you want to, just the fact that you think of the headwaters they live in, the mud and muck they live in, those are all the places where perch spawn. I think about yeah. places like yeah. um, like Red Bridges, all these tight water places where they spawn by the millions. And I'm like, you know, it's it, it even scares me because I, I do I do feel like I'm like in ten years, maybe those fisheries aren't aren't you know extinct but it's like you can't tell me that over the course of 10 or 15 years it's not going to take up there are hit. additive yeah, so. impacts yeah, and look yeah. there was no assessment done right so we right. don't we're learning what's going to mm -hmm. happen as it happens because we just mm -hmm. don't know you know usually a risk assessment involves a serious mm -hmm. literature search a bunch of scientists sitting around thinking about okay this is what's going to happen this is what's going to happen mm -hmm. there was none of that well yeah. there was that for listing it as injurious wildlife that's it goes it. under risk assessment mm -hmm. and that that's was right. based on unknowns it's but before it's introduction like right. into this there was none of that no. well so, it's a it's a predator so it's going to eat what's in front of it you right and, and it's a generalist so it'll eat right. whatever's dun, most dun, abundant dun. so right. Yeah, Potomac, <laughs> right that's banded killifish if it's where white perch spawn that's probably going to be white, white perch, perch. So, mm -hmm. or know, it's blue yeah. we mentioned blackwater well, yeah. well that's where we're doing research now to look at we had, we're in the, in the very unique situation that we had done a fish survey in Blackwater 10 years ago, and two, well, from over 10 years ago, 2006, 2007. Right. Um, that was part of a separate project, but then Snakehead showed up in that system, and so we're like, well, let's go see how it's changed. We're 
It won't be out in the next couple of days. Um, that'll be a year's worth of sampling. And yeah. mm-hmm. early indications are the fish or the fish community has changed. Yep. Now that's clearly changed over ten years. Now we're not going to be able to say that snakeheads are the cause for that change, and that's almost never going to happen anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, just doesn't happen but because it's so difficult. But when the changes happen based cor- upon what we predict because right. of their you know diet habits right. and all mm-hmm. these other studies. I think we're going to make a strong case that, you know, when you add a top predator into a system, mm-hmm. things going to change. Especially where there isn't one, really. That's right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. There's some bass out so there. Speak exactly to the correct. Blackwater 10 years ago. What were you seeing? What kind of uh, species? It was a really diverse system. I mean, it, and it still is to a degree, but white perch was far and away the number one fish we caught. It was a great far white abundant, perch fishery out there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what we're seeing, the most abundant fish are gizzard, shad, and carp, carp. Yep. which mm-hmm. we caught in much lower numbers yeah, right. 10 years ago. So That's right. You know, people like to catch white perch. <laughs> There's not too many people out there that like to catch gizzard shad, except for his bait. And you know, people like to fish for carp, but mm-hmm. they right. probably don't want to catch a whole bunch of mm-hmm. them. So, right. and snakehead are are pretty abundant. Biomass wise, you know, we're not weighing everything, but biomass wise, it's easily one of the top five species in at least a little Blackwater River based on our catches. So, yeah, we're seeing a just. A, a fewer number of fish overall, too. So, I mean, we, we caught tens of yeah, thousands of fish staggering. in our survey. And yeah. Now, I, I, you know, I don't know the raw number off my head, but it's it's a lot less. It's, just the total number less. of fish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's not so, cool. What, uh, yeah. what kind of survey techniques are you doing for this? Um, it's just Pike a pike nets. net survey. So we have set nets set in Little Blackwater River and Blackwater River. And we yeah. set kind of across the salinity gradient because um, there's a little bit of some salt over there. And the tough thing is is that the impacts we see in Blackwater might not translate right. to Severn. Exactly. They may not translate to the magazine. No. We don't know because, you know, the species composition is different. The habitat's different. Mm-hmm. Snakeheads may be behaving differently in some areas. We don't I mean, they got really know. abundant really fast yeah. there, faster yeah. than we saw on the Potomac. Right. Now, like you said, just habitat's perfect. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's very mm-hmm. access is hard for the fishery, too. I mean, you, you need a kayak now. I mean, granted... Ten years ago, we didn't see anybody kayak mm-hmm. fishing the Blackwater. Now, That's true. you know, kayak to launch your boat on the side of the road, I take you got my John a... boat in there. Did you? Do you need? I, I, use, I, use, a, I use a uh, I use an electric motor and like a twenty foot pole to like uh, as though I'm go. like you know going through the like canals in Italy or something, or something yeah. like that. So right. and, I, and I just make sure I hit the tides right. But um, to launch yeah. our boat, we got to do like a reverse slalom through all the traffic yeah. for people fishing now. So yeah. So now is it like a fully clothed? Like full on bug net, head net kind of thing. Like, what are the bugs like? I did. I, so well, I, 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 most people are. It seems like the biggest time to go fishing is honestly like early spring. That that's like when the big push, especially yeah. because it's before striped bass season. Yeah. So it's kind of like oh, the only okay. thing happening. Um, yeah, but right. so around those times, I haven't experienced like terrible no, bugs or I mean, anything yeah. like that. Just morning yeah. and evening kind I mean, of stuff. I mean, I'm saying a really catch seem to be day, okay. So. You're sure yeah. fishing my guest stand in the marsh. It's probably gonna be a little buggy. I spent enough time in a seca tree stand in that region. Yeah, that's not fun. Just a mat of mosquitoes at sunset. But I think the worry too is like you know you'd like to think they would stay in black water it's kind of like it seems perfect for them but it's like even the, i remember the first time i went out there and every i mean i couldn't go five yards without snakehead jumping seeing them in through yep, the water right. and i just yeah. said to myself yeah. i was like holy what's going on you know like right. what? Yeah. like this is this is way more insane yeah. i would well, see we, it in person is a little more insane and so then you yeah. know you're like well if they're reproducing seven times a year 
and they're filling this area up, eventually what happens is they get full and they've got to spread. Because they That's exactly what they do. And they and, move yeah. up. I mean, yeah. Josh yeah, did so a lot of uh, telemetry work on the Potomac yeah, they River, right? they can move right? far and fast. They yeah. can move far and fast, and they move seasonally. So yeah. it's, it's not too surprising that they spread from the Nanticoke to Blackwater and to um, Wacomico and now mm-hmm. to Little Chop Tank and then down mm-hmm. to the Pocomoke now, and yeah. Chester. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a surprise. Anything, so, you know, what's really interesting is is that they're starting to exist in some of these more brackish areas. And if they are mm-hmm. reproducing in the upper Blackwater, which tends yeah, which we we see, the year in it tends to be more for brackish, that's going to be a surprise because... Traditionally, like early on, people then, ah, they're not going to cross the salt wedge. And, you know, mm-hmm. then we're starting to see about 15 parts per thousand and realize, oh, okay, I guess they, mm-hmm. they can exist in this salt water. Now, I start, oh, they're not going to reproduce in salt water. And then all of a sudden, we're starting to see, you know, reproduction in the upper black water. Oh, the so, upper Blackwater is where I've done most of the fishing, and okay. they are just swarmed in there. Right? Yeah. It's crazy. Well, and again, that's right. a tough paddle. Its access is hard. So they yeah. they sat there for years without people right. really catching them. Right. Yeah, and, you're absolutely you know, right. That's right. Staff at the refuge would lower the impoundment for waterfowl season, and they'd say, you know, we got thousands of them. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Well, and it, and you're right. It's a per- And you were right, Mike. It's perfect habitat. Like the whole. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. Whole it is literally built for it. It's <laughs> right. built for it, right? Yeah, you see people. You never would have thought. Thought you'd see people fishing roadside right. ditches, but that's mm-hmm. because snakehead love that kind of stuff. Right. So I, think and, and li- I can't wrap my head around. It. I, I've, I spent a lot of time down there hunting and, and fishing, and but not. I haven't done it for snakeheads. I haven't caught one yet, but. I can't wrap my head around people catching them literally in the ditch. I mean, yeah. a couple inches if it, of water. If it floods, so they love flood habitat. So anytime yeah. it floods, it kind of like, especially this time of year, um, when you mm-hmm. know flows typically come up, they like to exploit yeah. that flood habitat. So just you know, yeah. over there on the eastern shore, of course, that just mm-hmm. a lot of that flood water ends up in a roadside ditch. Well, so it, that speaks to I think a little bit of the uh, maybe the biology of the fish or their ability to handle time out of water oh my god like explain some of that mm -hmm. i want to go down before we get back to fishing i want to go back down to some of the like what they can handle salinity range that we know and then kind of what their um what their abilities are and you know they can spend some time out of water what's the as long as they're wet yeah they can they can breathe atmospheric oxygen i mean not i mean it and they it's a different mechanism than american eel but you know eel can come out of the water and as long as they're wet Mm -hmm. so yeah, snakehead. That's why there's laws to kill them because if you just throw a snakehead on ice in your cooler, it's not. If it's die. as long as you got water in that cooler, it'll survive yeah. for three, four days probably at least. Yeah, I've put a snakehead in a refrigerator for like three days and it didn't die. I talked to a guy who fished the Potomac before they got to the Eastern Shore. Really, I got talked to a guy who fished Potomac and brought it over to the Eastern Shore. And of course, it's illegal for you to bring a live snakehead, mm-hmm. right? But he called me. He's like, look, this dang thing is not dead. It's been two days. I don't know what to do. I've thrown it in the garbage can out front. It's still not dead. I'm like, well, you're right. It's tough to kill those things. You're not going right. to do it by just throwing, you know, taking them out of the water. Mm-hmm. If it gets dried out, yeah, it'll die. Like, if you just throw it in the stream, in the, in sun. the sun, it's going to die. Sun. But if you throw it on the bank of the... This is what happened in Arkansas. You throw it on the bank 
of of a river, and it it can make it down to the river. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, not so gonna, they, it's not gonna. I'm not saying it walks. What right. I'm saying they is, they it can make it down to the river. They can kind of wiggle and yeah, yeah. I mean, most fish flop over on their side, but snake, I got those big pectoral fins that can kind of sit upright and move. I mean, I've heard stories of guys going down the roads of flooded roads in Dorchester and seeing exactly and they don't like captivity. You know, it's funny they were initially aquarium fish, and you know we've had problems doing research keeping them captivity. Um, we were doing electrofishing uh, in the lab, trying to determine what settings work best, and they were jumping through two-inch foam lids on our holding tanks. They would come in in the morning, they would have uh, broken through, just literally busted the foam, yeah. insulated yeah. foam. And the first one I've ever caught was probably like an eight-pounder, which is a decent-sized one, and uh, and 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 uh, so we. You know, whack it on the back of back of the head. You know, usually kind of stuns the fish Something or paralyzes yeah, them or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So we did that a couple of times. Put it in a cooler, twenty pound bag of ice. Maybe five seconds later, shut the cooler. It literally jumps out of the cooler. Yeah, like yep. pushes the cooler and yeah, jumps yeah. out. And I was yeah. like, I was like, where? What? What's going on? And, and that, yeah. happened, yeah. that, 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 like, that happened twice before I actually like started like. And then, yeah. t- and, and then you got to handle the dang thing. Yep. And so, you know, that's part of the education that we're trying to deal with. It's like, don't lip it. It ain't mm-hmm. a bass, yeah. right? Yeah, lip you it know? once and you'll find out the hard yeah. way. Right. Yeah, those you know fish grits are like a must-have. They are a must-have. And it's such a huge, I mean, it's it's a muscular fish, kind of a slimy fish. It's not so a good place to grab it, really. There's no. not a good, it's like handling an eel in some Pretty cases, much, yeah. right? Only this tends to be a little bit more muscular. And it's got teeth. So it's it's been kind of a, a challenge as part of the outreach too is you know once you catch a fish what do you what do you do with it you know i was dealing with anglers early on when people were catching one the potomac and they would just cut the line and let him go this is what the bass anglers would do cut the line and let him go and i'm like well okay that's legitimate you can do that but um you know if we're trying to encourage harvest that's not what we'd want you to do so getting folks to understand how to handle them and then how to kill them was kind of part of early outreach and so josh and i created a video back in 2010 or something Something right showing people how to catch and then ultimately kill the Mm -hmm. fish um you know those videos have now been updated but but then again you get it and if you catch a 30 inch snakehead it's not easy to just cut the the vertebrae behind the back of the head you need it a good knife, and you need a calm fish for that. So. We've, well, mm-hmm. I've, and I tell people, like, so initially, like, part of the re- ways to kill the fish that, you know, DNR kind of mm-hmm. um, required is, you know, gutting it, cutting mm-hmm. off its head, or, you know, pulling out its gill arches. We did the gill arches because it was the least bloody. We did have mm-hmm. tournaments, and we didn't want people. Mm-hmm. To, and you've got a mount, right? So it's probably the least invasive mm-hmm. way to, to, right. to euthanize the animal. Um the uh, we've seen. I've personally pulled snakeheads out of the water. I told Josh this that have been gutted and swimming around with their innards mm-hmm. hanging out. Wow! I've so that fish out, would likely ultimately die, but, but right. it was still Not, surviving. Yeah. Still yeah. surviving. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen that with a striped bass no. or a largemouth mm-hmm. yeah, bass, right. but I've seen, seen that. It's head I've seen in Monty Python where the guy yeah. keeps getting his arms mm-hmm. and legs Pretty cut much, off yeah. yeah. Not yeah. dead yet. I mean, <laughs> I've heard they've been called the saber-toothed tiger of the Chesapeake. I've heard this. These exact yeah. <laughs> so, I, mean, I, I don't think we'll hunt this one to extinction, yeah, though. We'll see. That kind of goes back to like the biologi- biological question, though, is that you know they're hard to kill, clearly, so they can, br- they can live out of water if they're wet. They can breathe uh, atmospheric oxygen. 
The interesting part is, so in our surveys at Blackwater, we've actually killed snakehead in our net because the oxygen in the water got so low, mm-hmm. and because our nets were submerged, they couldn't come to the surface. So that actually, oh, yeah. that actually kills them yeah, because yeah. they can't come to the surface and get air. Oh, okay. um, mm-hmm. So they, they do need to come up to the surface and get oxygen, and that's why, at one reason, another reason, at Blackwater or anywhere that there's kind of poor water quality, they can survive, so... Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the other things, they're, they're typically, they like fresh water, but they can survive in brackish water. We found them in yeah. 15 to 18 parts per thousand. It's crazy. They're probably not going to reside there for the long mm-hmm. term, but they will travel through it. Yeah. So um, I, I was, the first one I ever saw in the wild, I was at Bishop's Head fishing on the bow of my boat in I think May of three or four years ago and saw it swimming in the current. You know, mm-hmm. It had yeah. to be salt water. Right, yeah. on, you know, pretty strong outgoing tide. It was a normal year, salinity wise. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking to um, actually Walleye Pete. Um, he was fishing the Honga River Bridge last couple days, mm-hmm. and he said he had one come up behind the boat, and it was swimming kind of behind mm-hmm. the boat in the current, mm-hmm. riding in the slipstream, no whatever you call it. Yeah. 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 And the, he has guys catching rockfish, and, and then one of the guys tried to snag it, mm-hmm. the snakehead, and he said it swam away and went right up against the side of the boat and was hugging the side of the boat, and so they netted it. Oh, yeah. And I think he said 27 inches. Wow. Decent yeah. sized fish right there yeah. in the Honga. And that's strong current. And it's, yeah. you know, it mm-hmm. should be saltier yeah. this year's. Right. A little off last year. Well, you need a hooking line, you could use the net. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, and in salt water, there have been some. There's one called in Smith Island, the good waterman returned mm-hmm. to his dock, dipped it up, and it was yeah. pretty loopy. So, you know, they're they're kind of out of it. They're pretty stressed out in that gotcha. higher salt water. I saw a guy who had, one of the first ones I saw back in the day was a guy fishing uh, a Cow Nose Ray tournament. And back when we had him, and Archer. he was right, yeah. Archer, yeah, yeah. Right in the middle of the and he shot a picture of a snakehead sitting on a sandbar in the main <laughs> belt, in the main bay. Did he have a margarita? I, like, and like, no, I didn't see the margarita. <laughs> I went to bed. It is, it is funny. I fished a week or two ago, and and it was during the spawn. And apparently, during that week or two, people could not catch snakehead. Right. Like yeah. it, they just they just don't hit during that time period. But it was like so we're on a boat, and we're literally it's like they're all up on these mud flats and this and that. It's like I can poke them with my rod, but right. I can't actually get get them. Right. to yeah. hit a lure and it's just you see him kind of lackadaisically around like that and I saw that actually earlier even before the spawn I'm not sure quite sure what that is but I've seen a lot of fish caught like that where they it's almost like they're like dying or yeah. have to, it's, it's an odd um, they're it's, sleeping it's odd. or yeah, something it's yeah. weird they're, they're just some some weird actions and things I don't know quite what that is you know so that's all part of yeah. you know learning the fishery and it's a new one anglers are learning new things about how to target the animal archers have been real successful because of, of that kind Kind of stuff, um, and we've been actively engaging, you know, the archer community, bow fishers, to, mm-hmm. to go out and go fishing for them. I, you know, I uh, I talked to one guy who was fishing Salisbury, the, mm-hmm. the pond there, and he saw a few years ago a nest. He saw, you know, mm-hmm. two parents, and and he was casting to one of the mm-hmm. parents trying to hook. And he's like, he called me. He's like, look, I can't, I can't mm-hmm. get this. Parent, can you get out here to do something about this nest? I'm like, no, we can't get out there mm-hmm. and do anything about that nest um, because there are too many nests out there to do anything about. Mm-hmm. Right. But I did tell him, I said, look, if you can get one of those parents, you know, that nest yeah. will be destroyed in a mat. Josh- yeah, they stick out. I mean, the, the young, initially when they're very small, I'm talking like a couple millimeters, they're they're kind of blackish like, mm-hmm. like most fish. They're just not really colorful. But then... Once they get to be that two, three, four inches, they're bright orange and green. So that's, <laughs> it's it works well for fishing because their parents, one or both parents, are going to stay around that nest and guard it. So they're really aggressive that time of year. So they'll 
they'll bite almost anything. Yeah. And then, on top of that, if you get the adults off the nest, there's nothing to guard it. They stick out. So we've actually shocked up. Uh, I think it was one adult off a nest, and then we then we'd start to see little mosquito fish actually come in and eat the little larvae. That's how <laughs> that's how small the the fish were, the snakeheads were at that time. Yeah. So that's that's excellent population control, right? When you can get anything to eat juveniles. So, so just like anything, bigger fish eat smaller fish, even yeah, if you're yeah, a big. Yeah. I keep thinking yeah. that like right. the ospreys and like bald eagles oh, are going yeah. to make like are going to it's it's yeah, gonna be it's gonna be do. like seagulls at, at at like the boardwalk or something <laughs> yeah, in yeah. black water. Yeah, I, because I, I I saw a couple of bald eagles um, last time I was there, and I'm just yeah. like, man, they are eating like kings because these fish are they're not even in the water; they're out of the water. Right. They can yeah. just grab them anywhere. So right. I don't know right. if that yeah, there's been a couple of great hunt. photos of ospreys snagging uh, snakehead yeah. and taken from Blackwater. Yeah. So how fast do they grow? Early yeah. on, they grow. They can grow eight inches. Their first year of life, they'll grow about eight inches. So <laughs> that's yeah. faster than almost any native fish that we have. Yeah, here. it's really um, big. But then the the average kind of is about four inches a year, so still really high. And then yeah, for whatever reason, whenever they they, they hit a wall and they just stop growing, they'll stop growing lengthwise and they'll just put on weight. Yeah. Um, so we've seen it um, through some tagging work. Actually, D.C., where we're doing some tagging work with D.C. and Virginia. Uh, D.C. actually just recaptured another fish for, like, the fifth time. And the last four times, it hasn't grown. So that mm-hmm. And that was over three years that it's just... So it's not... It's put on weight, but it hasn't grown in length, so... And they're growing um, kind of to their environment? Like, there's... Yeah, to a degree. Um, you know, like any fish will. So the biggest, of course, we've seen, I think, the world slash... Well, I guess the world, world record's almost 20 pounds. Yeah, you know, I suspect right. there's a 20-pound fish out there. Oh, absolutely. And it sounds like, like Mike said, there there may have been 20-pounders yeah. out there that just weren't reported. Mm-hmm. But sounds like yeah. somebody's going to find it uh, absolutely. this summertime, right? Yeah. yeah. And we've seen pictures of people who didn't know they had state records. That yeah, I've seen I, some pictures. That I know that for probably. a fact where, you know, he's like, oh, it's 44 inches and shows bigger. I'm like, well, right. 44 inches is eight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the biggest one I've seen is about 36. Yeah. So 44 and would be and that, was, that was a crazy fish. And, and so that guy's really upset now. Oh, is he? Uh, well, I've I've seen some monster monster fish. I've seen some. I uh, saw uh, you know picture of a guy with a fish that he caught on um, on the eastern shore, and that thing was nearly as tall as him. I mean, I it's it's remarkable. I mean, maybe he was holding a fish mm-hmm. out to make it look bigger. We all but, know that's yeah, right. But you know, I have been you know I've I've been working in freshwater fish habitats now for like twenty five years, and I have not yet encountered something as and I say this sadly remarkable as snakehead. I mean, we do have big mm-hmm. freshwater predators like pike and pickerel mm-hmm. and bass. You know, um, but you know, snakeheads, their their durability, their mm-hmm. um, you know, in some cases difficultness to catch, um, their ability to you know, cre- you know create um, you know pathways to new types mm-hmm. of habitats, their dispersal ability, their weight, their habitat tolerance. So, like all their biological features make it a including their spawning ability. I mean, yeah. make it That's, a remarkable species for freshwater environments. And, well, for know. whatever reason, the Chesapeake Bay watershed just happened. They really, it's been great habitat for them because yeah. they've been in New York uh, for 
over 10 years now, and they just haven't taken off. They and haven't taken off. Arkansas, they've kind of lingered. Now it seems like they're starting to. So, And that's the problem with invasive species. You never know when it's going to take true. off. You know, mm-hmm. It's been 15 years. Blue cat's been around for 40 years. Right. And now yeah. now they're taking concerned. off in the so, Potomac. Right. So that's, it's like that's why we always take trigger. that precautionary approach because mm-hmm. yep. we don't know. And, and then and by once the, the time, species gets there, you can't right. remove it. Right. Yeah. Once it becomes like, a problem, it's too late. Yep. So, I mean, if that's people right. continue to manage them basically by harvest, then maybe we can keep those impacts at, mm-hmm. at, a, at a minimum. Yeah, so it, the spreading, I've, I've heard somewhere, and correct me if I'm wrong or give us the facts on this, that there's a genetic difference between the western shore fish that are more Potomac-centric and the eastern shore fish. I've heard what do you, the ones on the eastern well, shore seem to have come from Delaware. I mean, I've yeah, read, yeah. I read this on oh, Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That was, yeah, right. yeah, so the... The origin story. The, the, most yeah. of the fish that have spread from the western shore, like the Patuxent population, probably came from the Potomac. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that genetically that there's some fish that's, that were, came from the Nanticoke watershed that were related to fish that were caught up uh, in Philadelphia. Philadelphia and Delaware yeah. River watershed. So yeah. those were intentionally introduced yeah, um if you look at the spread pattern on like a year by year so it started in like central potomac kind of mm-hmm. at least t- central of the tidal fresh area mm-hmm. and kind of spread upstream and downstream from there so then mm-hmm. when they got to the mouth of the potomac what's the next logical watershed well the patuxent north and right. rappahannock south mm-hmm. and that's yeah. that's kind of the model and then once they pop up across the bay you're well what's up with that so mm-hmm. we can kind of predict where they're going to be and that's kind of what's happened since they showed up on the eastern shore. They've went downstream from the Nanticoke. They spread up to the Blackwater, like right. Joey mentioned, little chop tank. Now, now they're making their way up the up and around the bay from both sides. Yeah, and what's going to be really interesting, I think, are what trout anglers are going to have to deal with, mm-hmm. because they're moving in. You know, Josh mentioned there are some ponds, like in New York and in Canada, right, um, where they don't do that well. They were able to eradicate them. But then we're seeing other ponds where they do very well. So we know that this is a freshwater species. We know that it can do well in freshwater habitats. We also know that it's in non-tidal waters in Maryland. It's in mm-hmm. the non-tidal Potomac, and now it's moving in likely into the Conowingo Reservoir. What we don't know is how that's going to affect trout fisheries, people who are fly fishing, people who are mm-hmm. um, interested in protecting species like brook trout. So, you know, we've, we've got kind of, you know, that's, again, the problem with introducing a species just because you think it should be there. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know what the risks are for all these other fisheries that people care about. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we're going to have to spend some time to learn. I mean, you know? I feel like... I feel like the, the, the real sad part about it is we do know what's going to happen. These fish yeah. don't die, right? Yeah. There can be no food, and I just think of it like a catfish. It's like they could just sit there for three or four days. Well, other fish can't, and you have species like trout that are that are honestly on the brink as it is, right? You know, yeah. it's they're right. hard to keep those stocks up. So right. you take away some of their food, you're eating some of them. We know exactly what's going to happen. In my mind, unfortunately, I think it is, you know, we're doing a lot now about just getting people educated on eating snakes head because people yeah. in general aren't going to spend their time killing and murdering a fish and all that kind of stuff that's right if they're not going to eat it and they do that's eat right. really well there's high yield as far as um meat as a percentage it's a great to the fish. protein source low contamination and i think very one, low contamination one thing i saw well i think we all know this you know um as 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 markets have changed and you know different fish restaurants can't market they've found other fish to market and they basically have to change the name so yeah. you find fish like tilapia and this and that 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 really if you heard their real name you would never eat them i can't figure out why no one has renamed snakehead yet 
Once that happened, the only real way to slow this down is for there to be a commercial fishery, right? We all yeah. know people with pound nets and this and that are the only people who can really yeah. take out large numbers of them. So my only hope, really, and this is uh, the only thing I'm shooting for at some point, is, is hopefully that we get to that point where it is a commercial fishery that's being marketed and, and really bought. Yeah. I mean, I know the guys who net them right now, and, and they do sell them, but it's more going to New York markets, um, Toronto, just places like that. It's not really locally popular. And, and until that happens, yeah. and uh, given I've seen nets now in places that I haven't before, I don't know how much they're yeah. really targeting that, but it's like until that starts happening, it's not slowing down. They are going to hurt other spe other species around here. Well, well, we I just don't know how how long it's going to take. We are working, I know the department's working on trying to get some markets you know, ready in Maryland. Um, you know, one of the problems with this is, you know, blue catfish, you know, is a pretty decent commercial fishery. You can target them pretty well with traditional nets. With, with snakeheads, it's really tough. You know, we've got, you know, we, the governor signed um, a really cheap commercial license mm -hmm. for snakehead mm -hmm. um, a couple of years ago, and that was just for bow hunting or bow mm -hmm. fishing. Um, and that's because bow fishing and angling seem to be really that good ways get of getting most, this yeah. animal, right? Yeah, it's not often you hear a pound netter catching a lot 500 of pounds of snakehead because right. that's just not how they travel. It's just usually. not the species. Mm -hmm. And they're usually not in the same habitat where they're setting you right. know, to catch other stuff. But the sucky thing is, the, the sucky, <laughs> the bad thing is that on the eastern shore, you know, I'm told that bow fishing is not that easy to do because the water's not Darker as clear. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what do you do in a yeah. system like that, you know? And yeah, you're right. There are some a couple watermen mm -hmm. fishing successfully over there. But to get this to the level that, say, you know, you know, striped bass or eel or crappie right. or gizzard shad fisheries operate, you would need to do something different. And I'm sorry, as many snakeheads as we've caught in fike nets, fike nets are not no. really the best way to go after snakehead. No. It's just not part of their biology. Mm -hmm. you know? No, and even, I mean, electric fishing is far and away the best way mm -hmm. that we have. And, yeah. and even then, Oh, you know, the catchability is ridiculously not, yeah. low. And so, yeah, it's like 2 to 10%. Yeah. yeah. And just for, right. for people yeah. who haven't fished them, um, you know, a lot of times people like fishing higher tides, especially in shallower water places. That's what you fish. And snakeheads, it's actually the opposite. So when you're angling out there, you're fishing a mid-tide to a low tide because on high tides, they hide in the reeds and to go back and everything. Right. So I understand yeah. what you're saying as far as the commercial guys. Where would they set where a net? Right. The only way they would be able to net them is on low tide because that's when they come out of the mm -hmm. reeds. That's when anglers can get to them. But then if it's low tide and it's and it's our, and it was only a foot of water to start with and now it's six inches, it's like how do they get a boat in there? How right. do right. they get how do they get yeah. equipment in there? So I mean, it's probably more something that would have to be figured out. Honestly, oh, yeah, 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 uh, exactly right. Because, right. because yep. I can I can tell exactly like if you set a net here and here, yep. you would catch this many pounds of it. But it's again, it's like but what are you going to do? kayak over there and right. yeah. and and then try and pull your 300 pounds of net up it's like right. that doesn't work you're going to destroy the the marshy shoreline you can't do that so well, you just yeah so it make is make it worth your while to go out there that it, day. right so so maybe yeah. we'll just start chumming for them maybe we'll start <laughs> well, that, i thought about well, that maybe. recently you know chumming was a big thing for striped bass and i'm like and everybody's yeah. like well no they don't do that they don't do this and that i brought soft crab down there because like well they don't eat soft crab they're not titled this that they ate yeah. it. That the only thing I got them to bite on that day was a soft crab. So yeah. you know yeah. maybe there is some way of chumming them in or this and that. Well, you know? and then you have to be careful, right? Because we have the circle hook thing. Yeah, oh, apply yeah. out yep. there. Yep. So things have changed a little bit. Yeah. Um, on so fishing. Uh, circle, has anybody ever used a circle hook for a snakehead? Yeah, I hear it's not as. Uh, so I hear it's not as good. Um, mm -hmm. 
But yeah. I think part of that's a learning curve too, yeah, is knowing what so. size. So I think people think snakehead. Uh, not that they're not aggressive, but I think people think they're a little more aggressive than they are. They mm. they short bite a lot. They mm. have soft strikes. So I think what people equate is they do this with striped bass too. Mm -hmm. They blame the circle hook for the fact that mm -hmm. they didn't catch the fish. And it's like, do we know this is true with striped bass? Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes they're just not pounding your bait right, and right. you're just not going to hook the fish. Yeah, they might have we missed. have guys all the time who buy lures and it's like, you know, they're looking for certain gaps in this and that because it's, it is hard to hook them. Their ma their mouths are probably harder than they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's true. Um, so, yeah. so I think you're seeing more of that. I fish circle hooks for them, and I feel like I've caught what I should have caught. And I've right. and uh -huh. I've fished J hooks too, or or just regular hooks. And and at the same time, you know, I've you know run into the exact same problem. So I think people are just expecting, hey, I put this bait in the water. It's a minnow. This thing should just be knocking it dead. Yeah. And when they're getting it, you know short bite or this and that they're just saying well the circle hook didn't turn or that but but that's, that's just anglers getting you know maryland in general just anglers in general in maryland are just getting used to circle hooks. Hooks. that's just a nice, that's true. The nice learning curve yeah. too yeah. with just right. with snakeheads in general you've got because you're doing it all now anyway i mean the potomac it was bow fishing and it was bass anglers using top water stuff mm -hmm. so yeah now you know you've you wouldn't see in the Potomac somebody throwing out a bobber with a minnow attached to it, most right, likely. Right. But, but that's, on the that's like, shore, yeah, that's the ticket over yeah. there, right? So, right. Well, and that's a good point. You know, maybe more anglers need to try fishing. If they do try and fish with circle hooks and they have success stories or not success stories, mm -hmm. all that is good information because snakeheads is a new fishery. Mm -hmm. So that helps you guys with your business and you're promoting different tackle types. But it also helps us because when people call, other states call and say, look, what kind of programs are we going to address with snakeheads? If circle hooks become something that is you know, really useful for catching snakeheads, and that's something we can tell the other states, other jurisdictions mm -hmm. having to do with this problem. You know, I'm looking to... <laughs> I'm looking to China, I'm looking to Vietnam for ways that they're catching snakehead. Um, they have a different culture there. They have a different um, type of mindset, and they have a lot of people. And if we're going to kind of get it snakehead, then I think we should learn from them on how mm -hmm. they're doing it. So reaching out to people from Vietnam or reaching out to people in China um, learning from them, I think, is also a good way of, of trying to capture that, that species. But, you know, I don't speak Mandarin, so that's a, tough, <laughs> that's a challenge for me. So you know? what's the, uh, for folks that are out there, to, they want to report back to DNR or the, or the feds and help with um, getting you guys the information you need, what's the best way for them to do that first on a, on a state level, Joe? We, um, we have a few mechanisms. We've got phone numbers. They can just give us a call at DNR on our 800 number. Um, what is that 800 number? Oh, I don't know. You'd have to, I'd have to look. But I believe it begins with 800. Okay. Um, <laughs> it might be wrong, though. Uh, but you can also um, email us. You know, I, I try and encourage people to email us because they can send a photo that way. Um, so we can see that it is a snakehead. Sometimes people, as good as they've become in identifying snakeheads, some people still get confused with them being another species. So they can send an email to fishingreports.dnr at maryland.gov, um, and then usually snakehead emails that way funnel to me. Um, and they can also take our volunteer angler survey, which is online, and they can, um, and that's a multi-species freshwater survey. So doesn't just have to be snakehead if they're out catching fish in some you know freshwater river freshwater um, lake they can report what they're catching um, that way as well and so we use that information to kind of track the species 
Okay. And from a federal perspective, is there much different? Are you guys- um, it's not too much different. I mean, you can car we our office numbers out there. Um, our office. Well, we have a one eight hundred number, which is easy. It's one eight hundred four four eight eight three two two. That's also the same number that if you ever report a striped bass tag, it's to our office because we manage that out of our office. But uh, you can also go. So all this data that gets reported eventually ends up on the USGS snakehead database map that is updated i mean i i send them a report they'll update it it'll be mm. up there right away so you can also report them directly on that website and i don't yeah. know that website offhand but you basically you email them and they'll might ask you some questions and stuff like that i'll make but, sure i add a link to that website in the yeah. description for this episode okay i can so, send it to you um, yeah i think yeah. Uh, one thing i've experienced you know just being a somebody loves to get out in the outdoors and fish and hunt and and get involved in the management stuff in first as a volunteer but now as part of my job i've always been amazed at how much of a role anglers can play in helping under helping you all get out there and, and understand where thing where things are what they're doing mm-hmm. and that's to you know great with with the monster snakehead hunt and you know not only can somebody stop in here at angler sports center and pick up the right tackle and techniques which we're going to end this with you know a lot of tips and techniques but also participate in this in this tournament um, which is going to be a great gathering of information mm-hmm. for for a little you know pretty darn cheap price. So talk a little bit about the monster snakehead hunt and uh, yeah, what, what the summer will look and, like for and, folks. And also, I want to tag myself into the um, into the fishing reports too. So you can uh, reach us at four one zero seven five seven three four four two with fishing reports on snakehead or email Kevin at anglersannapolis dot um, Our monster snakehead hunt is ten dollars to get in. Um, and that is starts on the twenty seventh. I think it's a little more if you if you sign up late after that. Um, all the entirety of the money goes to the winner, as well as we said before. The um, you'll get your snakehead mounted um, with a plaque underneath of it. Um, you can sign up for that at anglersannapolis.com. It's all done online, so um, that's just an easy sign up there. Um, and all you really have to do is catch your biggest snakehead, bring it into the store. We'll weigh it. We will uh, take some pictures of it, post it up there. Um, we basically intend to keep a running log on our website of who has the biggest fish, so that way you have a, a benchmark to go by. So once we get to that point of a you know, 12, 15-pound fish, of course, you don't need to bring mm-hmm. your fish mm-hmm. in. But uh, basically, we'll hold it for you, freeze it until the very end, and then on Labor Day is basically when we'll announce the winner. Mm-hmm. And uh, then that's when we'll have the fish cast and everything. I'm sure it'll take you know, roughly six months to have it cast and painted out and all that kind of stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, but it should be, it should be pretty cool. I'm excited just to see if nothing else, the pictures and the fish come in. Um, mm-hmm. we've seen tons and tons of snakehead, but of, of course we know there are big monster ones out there. So definitely excited to, to see that. Mm-hmm. So when folks come in the store, what are the, what's the tackle that you focus them on and, and what have you found mm-hmm. the most success with or, or yeah. one or so, two techniques? So fishermen are enchanted with enchant or, you know, we, we love lures that look like they look good, right? So especially for a lot of these guys who grew up striped bass fishermen and whatnot, um, you know, we have a top water season, but we don't get to throw frogs and we don't get to throw this. So, so frogs are always, I think, like that's mm. become the number one thing. Mm. Um, but we sell rats, turtles. I know earlier this season, you know, the turtle spawn was on and it was like everybody wanted turtle top water baits. Uh, mm. um, I've, I think we've, we've found it's so not yeah. the fanciest. So everybody wants to fish the fancy lures. Honestly, I think what we've kind of found is like, you know, 
Now, MEPS number four and number five probably catches the most <laughs> fish. They actually make a lure called the Black Fury, which is a is a spinner with a weedless curl tail on it mm-hmm. that that fishes yeah. really well. Um, so so it's a wide range. It's definitely more top water. Everything's weedless. Um, the only other bait that they fish a lot of is just like a four four inch paddle tails, mm-hmm. rigged weedless, no weight. You know, you don't need weight hardly mm-hmm. anywhere. Right. But that seems to work really well too. So stuff you can throw up into the brush usually is what you're what you're going for um but there's a wide wide range um on the bait side of it it's almost all minnows or we sell these um these things we're calling snakehead salties which are just really like large minnows um and they're Uh. fishing those under rattling poppers for whatever reason they also like rattling a lot so Uh. pop bobbers with rattles on them and then anything behind them even plastics behind them seem to work really well um it's almost like a, snake, a, like a popping cork well, snakeheads are pretty visual they're not very visual i should say that so you know we based on some of our tagging studies they're most active during the, from you know sun up to sundown they're not very active at night and they got if you looked at them they got small mm-hmm. eyes so that they might be more prone to that sound yeah. and i think for anglers out there too mm-hmm. we talked about like you know mm-hmm. them short striking and kind of hitting lures just like normal fish do and they are normal fish so i think you know mm-hmm. again this whole thing of you're going to throw something in the water like if you go down there there are enough fish where yes you'll catch fish but you also have to know that you know just like other fish they're going to be certain times of the day like you just talked about where yeah. they're going to hit better or worse you know an evening maybe better so yeah. so yeah. You know, a lot of times you do just have to circle around lures and just kind of get back around to it and and they're a generalist so they'll eat they're going to eat whatever is available that's why we do find frogs and stuff in their guts yeah, but yeah. they're not also eating around the clock like you mentioned so mm-hmm. they might might not be feeding right then and there yeah and it is a challenge i mean you're right it is like any other fish and there are different types of tackle people should rotate through their box um yeah you should have one of everything at least yeah <laughs> that they would should. be the bare minimum you're right like. because <laughs> you, you never know what kind of day you're gonna have right um and and i would encourage people not to give up so you know i've talked to people who have gone out and gotten skunked um gone out specifically for snakehead and gotten skunked but I tell them, look, you know, we have a lot of great fisheries out there besides snakehead as well. Um, So I hope you had a good time. But if you want to target snakehead, um, go back because, you know, there are other places. It's another day. And I just would hate it if people get discouraged because they don't catch one the first time out. You know, Um, I I know they're looking for advice. I'm glad they're seeking Mm -hmm. advice. I just... I just hope that they continue to seek that yeah. advice. And, and, well, and it's I think a when that spawn fishery. was on for two weeks, and even my like anglers who work here who are very, very good fishermen, you know, mm-hmm. they weren't catching any for a week or two. And so we definitely saw some people like, oh, man, they're not hitting. But honestly, yeah. even those people, though, are like, but we can see them. So I think right. that I don't think yeah. people get turned yeah. off that easy. It's like when you can good. see them jumping out of the water, it's like, they're you there. Know, yeah. it's, one th- it's one thing when you're not catching fish and you're wondering, are there fish here? Right. Yeah. When you're not right. catching yeah. snakehead, you're not wondering, are there here? That's like, I right. took some people yeah. who had never been before, and that was kind of the situation. We caught one fish in, like, seven hours of fishing during that spawning period. And so usually, you know, people would be like, man, this stinks. There are no snakehead here, this and that. But it's like... No, we saw we saw right. tons of snakeheads, so yep. it's not that well, you know. True, so I don't I don't think people will be that turned off. And and again, just going back around to the food part of it, you know, once you do eat them, I think people like to compare. Everybody always wants to compare a yeah. fish. I think they compare really well to a striped bass. Oh, I mean, yeah. oh yeah, you know, like I think Absolutely. it's almost almost the same type it's of. It's really mild. So yeah. if, you don't, if you don't like you know a fishy taste, right, you, know, you right. probably would like snakehead. And we've had like... competitions in our own little freshwater fisheries group between blue catfish mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. snakehead. Snake had went out every time so i yeah i love blue catfish don't get me wrong but 
Snakeheads, yeah. I mean, you can you throw know, it up on the grill, meat. holds yeah. up yep. well. Yeah. And for people just on the filleting side of it, I think that's the other thing is people around here, the closest thing you can relate it to is a pickerel. But if you've ever mm-hmm. filleted a pickerel, you know it's mm-hmm. a real yeah. pain Why and it's not really worth yeah. it because it has all these crevices. Yeah. We're yeah. going to be putting out that that's video of how to fillet a snakehead. But mm-hmm. but it is an easy fillet. It's just the same as, as all the other fish. So it's there is no like fancy technique no. or you have to avoid this and that. It's easier than... You know, probably filleting a, like a blue cat or anything, yeah. you know. I again. am a horrible, horrible filleter. Josh <laughs> can tell you. I'm a horrible... They become nuggets. Yeah. And uh, with Snakehead, I am grateful every time because I can create some really nice nuggets. So <laughs> Skin uh, is tough, though. It'll dull your filet if you do a bunch. The big so. ones are yeah. really tough. I actually yeah. tried doing a video the other week, and someone brought us brought me, like, I just had some, uh, asked a customer, like, hey, if you catch the Snakehead, bring it in. I want to do a video of filleting it. But he brought me in, like, an 11-pound... Snakehead, which is huge, yeah. and like my, I brought my knife out. And I was like immediately could tell. I was like, uh oh, mm-hmm. this is not yeah, gonna be a good a, video. It's gonna, sharp look, knife it's gonna look like I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's not good. Well, nuggets. As long nuggets, as you get some nuggets. nuggets. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you take your little nugget chunks. You yeah. roll them around in some egg wash and flour. Yeah. Or, Bay or you J-O know, or, I've I've got some seasoning I get from Bass Pro, and um, oh oh that that hurts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we have a wide Next range of J.O. seasonings <laughs> yeah. that are great for blackening, um, all these sort of things. Yeah. We'll, have, we'll have a cook-off. That'll be the next one. Well, uh, next time I'll try That'll be the next one. That's actually what we're thinking about doing this fall is maybe doing like a snakehead cook-off. It's just another way to promote snakehead fishing and, and actually just having people bring their fish. Last year, we did a snakehead tasting in the store. Yeah. How did that day. go? Was it good? It was really good. So we yeah. did a seminar, and, and, and even a year is a lot of time. So now people are way more educated than yep. they were even a year ago. So so this yep. was uh, February or March last year when we did it, and um, and people were shocked. So we, you know, we just did the did the nuggets and uh, just breaded and deep fried with tartar dipping sauce because it's kind of just like everybody mm-hmm. likes that kind of thing. Little jo spice on them, and um, yeah, and people loved it. So um, so I think people were more shocked by how good it was. You know, just yep. like oh my god, it tastes like this. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like right. people feel the same way. I think when they taste white perch. I mean, white perch are much better fish, but but people are like oh, always like oh my god, this this is what this tastes like. It's yeah. like right. yeah, yeah, this is what right. this tastes like. Well, and then right. you get back to that whole naming convention, right? Because I'd rather eat a perch than a snakehead by name. And I think, um, you know, one of the challenges you have getting people to eat the meat mm. sometimes is telling them that it's a snake. So, it's can, we, so, to so can we go through our best names here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. One, two, it. three, four. Yeah. So let's, <laughs> let's close out with the best nicknames. <laughs> uh, and then also um, we'll, we'll find, finish out with the final details of where folks can find everything. Um, of course, everybody knows where Anglers is. You just you can't miss it. Um, mm. But so... Best names for snakeheads. Well, I'm going to have to throw out Chesapeake Bass, you know, given my, my background. So I'm going to think Chesapeake, good for the location. Bass, because everyone loves a bass. Okay. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. you'll name it that Yeah. in order for people to eat it. Yeah, well, yeah, see, yeah. The thing is, the restaurant, too, can call whatever they want. Or locally, you can call whatever you want. You know, you got mm-hmm. striped bass, rockfish. Now, there is an official name that we can't really change. You can, but it's a, that's a much more long-winded process. But, you know... But you just need that name to take on, like you said. So, mm-hmm. well, I've the, heard. Well, when it was in the Potomac, a lot of people wanted to call it Potomac Pike, which that was a good play. You oh, got that little ration. Mm-hmm. But you know, now that they're really much more 
farther widespread, you have to come up with a more generic mm-hmm. name for right. the whole bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I have one. I mean, I feel like I just feel like they call everything, you know, a grouper or this and that. And, <laughs> right. and if it's there just for the restaurant's sake, then, then why can't we yeah. call it diamond grouper? They have a diamond a diamond shape on them. There you go. No one would be able to tell the difference in a restaurant, so why not just be diamond grouper? And they can just be our... <laughs> and that our, sounds our, fancy, too. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, see, you call them a pike, and no one eats pike, right, so that's true, not good right, to begin yeah. with. But grouper. Right, if they think it came from Maryland Whitefish or something like that. Yeah, so I'm going with the diamond grouper. I think that, you know, they live in those those six inch depths. You yeah. Know, just like grouper size. I can almost <laughs> I can almost see that filet being served in a restaurant. I like that. Yeah. Sparkly and stuff. Yeah. See, I, I just I don't know. I've had no issue with eating something called a snakehead. I had a pet well, python mm. in college, so I almost feel bad. They look like my pet, but yeah. Well, there's been that's, that's been the other flip. That's been She's the flip side. Some yeah. restaurants market it as you know, eat the last snakehead. That's the idea, and some people yeah. like that too. Yeah. So. Well, Chef, I know true. Chef Chad Wells was one of the first mm-hmm. out yeah. and about on the you know on I think food TV or something nationwide presence. Yeah. You know, cooking yeah. snakeheads. That's right. That's the only yeah. time I've eaten it. Um, he he cooked it at a, at a blue cat tournament we had a couple of years back at Fort Smallwood Park. Well, we're also <laughs> at the Snakehead Derby at Blackwater. We'll be doing cooking demonstrations. I think we're yeah. gonna have fillets available. So, so when is yeah. that? Uh, oh, that's cool. Saturday, June eighth. That's gonna be yeah. hosted at the Harriet Tubman State Park, and nice. so that all the fishing will be in and around the Blackwater area. Yeah, um, and, and I think it. It all helps. I mean, yeah. you know, it's all education. It's all outreach. It's all trying to reach out to new groups and, and different people and encourage them to just get out and go fishing, which, and as Joe you and know, I is will, hard to do yeah. sometimes. I think you guys mentioned it right in the beginning. It's twofold. It's, you get to have fun fishing. You catch fish. They're edible, but you're also doing something good for environment. So it's not like That's people right. have to try. It's it's just, right. just getting out there and doing it is what does it. So, That's exactly so, right. So, you know, the rest of it kind of work itself yeah. out. Hopefully. Joe and I will be there doing a... Uh, their Q and A before the the kickoff, and then everybody can get out and get fishing, and yeah, yeah and then like there's gonna be fishing demonstrations throughout the day, I think, and then yeah. there's gonna be Cass cooking Kenny's demonstrations. Gonna be there doing that, Fantastic. and mm-hmm. we we will have potentially a limited number of fillets available too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So monster snakehead hunt, um, anglersannapolis.com. Yep, you can check that out. Sign up. That's Memorial Day to Labor Day. We've got June 8th, a great event down in Dorchester County, uh, right next to Blackwater there at the Harriet Tubman Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just get out there. Go fishing. Western Shore, Eastern Shore, sounds like up north, down south. Upper Bay, everywhere. They're yeah, all over yeah. the place. Yeah, yeah remember, and Blackwater is the uh, snakehead hub of the United States. It's, yeah. it's, right it's the now, mecca. Yeah. So come on through on your way. Grab some lures and bait. Go yeah, out there yeah. and get at them. Yeah, and keep right. an eye on, uh, yeah. on the links right. in, uh, in the description for this episode. We'll make sure you have all the links you need to, uh, to find all the information online. You know, if you want to be one of those helpful anglers that helps support the uh, the, uh, the management system or, or at least these, these hardworking biologi- uh, biologist jobs, we'll make sure you have that information too because data is king and you can never go back and capture it. You know, the more we start capturing now, the better we, we can make good decisions on this resource. But for now, we're out there catching them and having a good time, and it doesn't seem like we can put a dent in them as, as fishermen yet. So uh, stop on by anglers, get some bait, talk to Mike and his crowd. As you know, everybody that works here does fish and knows the exact right stuff to, to give you. And uh, get out there in the water and, and enjoy our resources. So thank you all. Uh, yeah, Joe and Josh, yeah, time to get back on the water. And That's right. Thank you. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Just yeah. go fishing. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. It seems like I want to go fishing. That's yeah, a wrap. Especially with the weather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just get yeah, out right now. <laughs> I don't need to get nice. back to work. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening in to episode two of the What's on the Line podcast. Thanks to Mike and your team at Anglers for hosting us and Joe and Josh for taking time out of your busy schedules to talk about snakeheads. Of course, they're a hot topic, and uh, we've just began to scratch the surface 
of the conversation on snakeheads. So hang tight, and uh, we'll we'll definitely revisit this in a future episode. If you have ideas and you'd like to take part in the conversation, if you're an avid uh, snakehead angler or or uh, have some tips or tricks that our audience would enjoy, please reach out and let us know, and and we'll put together another episode for sure. For now, just check out the links in the description of this podcast. And uh, there's some great information there on the on the state page, federal page. And don't forget to sign up for the Monster Snakehead Hunt before Memorial Day weekend is over. So if you're listening to this before Memorial Day weekend, there's a $10 entry fee for the Monster Snakehead Hunt at anglersannapolis.com or anglersportcenter.com. And all you have to do is go fishing all summer and bring your biggest snakeheads to anglers to be weighed. The biggest fish wins, you get a mount, and you win the prize money. So I just signed up online. It's very simple and hope to see you out there on the water. Also, for the CCA members, and remember, anybody can become a CCA member, join cca.org or ccamd.org slash join. So for our members, we've got something in the works, uh, invasive species related. So that includes the snakeheads and blue cats. Uh, in, in a way that you can participate in a fun little competition and also help out driving data towards the managers. So hang tight. That's coming soon from CCA. And uh, listen in for our future episodes. Make sure you subscribe to, uh, to this podcast. And also give us a review and any feedback you'd like at information at ccamd.org. Thank you.